Welcome to another episode of Search News You Can Use with me, Dr. Marie Haynes. This is a very tired Dr. Marie Haynes, this episode, uh, as we've been dealing uh, with a lot of fallout from the January core update and also these changes with featured snippets. I'm sure you've heard by now that Google made some changes to how they're displaying featured snippets, and this actually has a really big impact on a lot of sites' traffic. Um, so my team and I have been working for the entire week just trying to figure out what is it that Google's doing, uh, what are these changes, and how should we be taking advantage of uh, these changes or what should we be paying attention to? So I don't have all the answers for you, um, but I'm going to explain to you the way I understand what's happening and uh, hopefully that'll help you to understand these changes even more. In this episode, we've got some really, really good Q&A questions. Uh, if we have time, it depends on how much I babble on about uh, what Google's done with core updates and, and whatnot. Um, and uh, we'll talk about a couple of uh, Google announcements as well. So let's talk about this January core update. Um, most of you know that Google announced on January 13th of 2020 that uh, they were pushing out a core update. And it's great that Google tells us these. They don't want to name them anymore other than really boring January core update. Uh, but this was something significant. And I'm going to have a, a very thorough article out on this. It's almost completed. Uh, I hope to have it out either by the end of this week. It may possibly be early next week in which we talk about all of the things that we've seen in sites that have made improvements and also sites that have seen drops. Um, and we've really been refining our process in how we determine what do we think it is that Google actually changed uh, with this update. And so this is really exciting. Uh, on one hand, it's great because it gives us more information to say, okay, it looks like Google is rewarding this as a sign of quality. On the other hand, uh, it means that we have to spend quite a bit more time uh, digging into these things to try to figure out what it is that, uh, that Google's changed. We had a really, uh, this is going to sound braggy, but we had a lot of clients that saw some really nice changes. Um, most of them, it seemed to happen for them January 14th. So Google said that this core update was uh, rolling out starting on the 13th. And then most of the sites that saw something significant in terms of a change saw that starting on the 14th. Now, uh, not all of our clients were up. Um, we had a few of our clients that saw decreases as well. Uh, and I, you know, we have some thoughts as to, to why this has happened. Um, and the sites that saw increases here's something that's interesting. They're not all medical sites. So we had a big jump in the number of medical clients that uh, we started reviewing websites for starting in the middle of 2018 when the August 1st update happened that year. Uh, that's the update that eventually got called Medic. We got a lot of attention for that as we were digging into um, some of the changes that Google made in the Quality Raters guidelines. And we were noticing that those changes uh, were, were reflected in the sites that were seeing improvements or uh, horrible declines uh, as of August 1st, 2018. Uh, and so we have a lot of medical sites in our profile. We have hundreds of, of sites that we monitor every time there's a, an update and... Um, we have a lot of medical sites. We did see a good number of medical sites see improvements with this update, but we saw other sites as well. We had some lead gen sites, uh, even some affiliate sites, um, uh, a number of different websites uh, saw improvements with this update. So it's not just a YMYL, or sorry, not just a medical update, but I do think it's a YMYL update, uh, as in your money or your life. And pretty much all of the sites that saw 
uh, significant changes with this update are ones that we would consider YMYL. Um, so here are some of the things. Now, if you're a paid subscriber to our newsletter, oh, I should say this is episode, this corresponds to episode number 117 of Search News You Can Use, which you can find at mariehaines.com slash newsletter. If you're a paid member of our newsletter, you've been seeing me over the last few weeks uh, sort of just uh, lay out what I think is happening uh, with this update. And so I'm going to um, explain to everybody here some of the things that we're noticing, and then much of this will be reflected in the article that I'm going to write as well, or that I'm almost finished writing. Um, first thing is let's talk about affiliate sites. Now, every time there's an update, we tend to see people saying, well, I think this was affecting affiliate sites. And I think a lot of the time this is because people who run affiliate websites are very, very in tune with changes to Google's algorithms uh, because your traffic, your revenue is highly determined by how much traffic you get to your website. Um, sometimes Google will make an update where websites will see less traffic, but they actually don't see fewer conversions. Uh, and I'm not talking about affiliate sites. I'm talking about a service site. You know, if you were, for example, a legal website, you might see uh, less traffic to some of your informational pages with an update, uh, but, the, but, uh, but Google may have gotten better at figuring out which uh, customers are potentially going to convert for you. Um, and so they're sending you more targeted traffic. They're sending you traffic that, uh, the traffic that you stopped getting essentially is people that really shouldn't have ended up on your website anyways. Um, this is different. So when affiliate sites get affected by a Google update, if your traffic goes down by 50%, probably your revenue has gone down by a significant amount as well. Um, we saw that a number of sites that were impacted negatively by this update were sites that used affiliate links. Uh, I hate to say just affiliate sites because these sites were all uh, sites that had decent content, um, but still had a number of affiliate links throughout their content. Now, I'm not saying you need to get rid of your affiliate links. I'm also not saying that uh, you need to, um, you know, if you clean up affiliate links, you're going to recover from a Google update hit. Let me see if I can explain what I think is happening with these affiliate sites. Um, a good number, uh, some of what I did was look at keywords that had dropped for uh, certain affiliate sites that we monitor that we said, you know, these sites tend to have good EAT for the most part. Uh, they tend to have good content for the most part. So why were they seeing drops? And we looked at particular keywords that were very important uh, and these sites saw particular drops for them. And then we looked at which sites actually saw gains and uh, for those keywords. And one of the things that was very, very clear to me, uh, maybe it's coincidental, but it seems obvious to me, is that uh, affiliate sites that saw improvements did a really good job of making it clear to the user that um, you were clicking on an affiliate link. So let's say I write an article about a particular type of shoe that I really like, and I have an affiliate link to where you can buy that shoe on Amazon. Uh, it's one thing to say like, here's the most amazing red shoe you've ever seen and link red shoe to Amazon with my affiliate code in there. It's another thing to say, you know, you could buy these red shoes on Amazon. Here's a link to get them. As a reader of this content, I'm much more aware that when you're linking red shoes to Amazon that uh, I'm, if I click on that link, it's because I'm potentially wanting to buy on Amazon. Um, now, these sites that saw drops that had affiliate links, all of them had affiliate disclosures. 
they had the wording either at the beginning of the post or at the end of the post that said some of the links in this post are affiliate links and if you click on them we may get a revenue share or a portion of the money that is spent on these websites. Um, I think most of you by now if you have affiliate links on your website you do a really good job at um, writing a disclosure to say some of these links might be affiliate links. But think about the reader. The reader has not read all of your disclosures. The reader probably has not scrolled down to your footer to find out if some of the links on this site are affiliate links. Rather, they're reading this article, they're saying, oh, here's a link about red shoes. I wonder if that's going to tell me more about red shoes or what. And you click on it and now you've got a, a cookie on your website or a cookie in your browser to say, hey, next time you buy from Amazon in the next few days, a portion of your sale should go to the person whose website, whose link you clicked on. This can potentially be deceptive to users. And in my article that uh, you'll see soon, I'm going to share some screenshots from the Quality Raiders guidelines that tell us that affiliate links are to be considered ads, and ads should always be very, very clearly delineated as ads. Uh, and so we think that Google um, is now measuring it as a slight sign of distrust if you've got affiliate links on your website, uh, where it's not immediately clear to the person who's clicking on this link that it's a link. And I'll hope to uh, include some examples in my article on uh, you know what we think is appropriate and what potentially could be seen as a sign of lower content or lower quality by Google. Um, another thing that we noticed is I really think that part of this update uh, has to do with BERT. And, um, you know, we've talked about BERT a lot in the last few months since Google announced that they're using it. BERT is just a way for Google to use natural language processing to better understand language, uh, better than they ever have before. Something that we noticed with sites that saw a lot of improvement is in a lot of cases they had content that truly was better than their competitors. And it seems to me that Google has gotten better at identifying which pieces of content uh, really, really are the best answer to a searcher's query. And I know some of you are sitting here going, but wait, my content's way better than everything else that's ranking there. It's not a black box. It's not black box is not the right word. It's not black and white. It's not like Google can say, ah, this is clearly the best content, so we're going to ignore all other signals that this site is giving us and just make this rank well. Um, rather, it's something that's considered. So one of the things I would recommend is if you saw a drop with the January core update, one of the things that I'd really recommend doing is look at currently what articles are ranking uh, above you. Who were the winners in your for your keywords? So when you do a search for your keywords and you can see, oh, example.com, you know, they used to be number five and now they've jumped up to number two. Um, really honestly look at their articles and say, as a reader, would you get more information from their article than from yours. And now I'm not saying that we need to all go out and make our articles 8,000 words in length and, um, you know, have every possible thing in there because that could be a negative as well. Uh, I don't know whether Google's measuring this, but as a reader, I don't want to read an 8,000 word wall of text. I want something that I can easily skim, that I can find my answer to. Uh, and I feel like with this update, Google got better at determining which content is actually answered 
answering a searcher's question. We also think that Google tweaked some dials in terms of trust. Uh, the quality raters guidelines give loads of information on things that could be considered trust. We've talked about a lot of them in the past. So for example, if your reputation is bad for your business, if people are leaving negative reviews all over the web saying that they got scammed or um, you know your product really wasn't what they uh, expected, then we think that Google can pick up on that and that can be a sign of low trust. Um, we have a whole article that we wrote, gosh, it's over a year ago now. Um, uh, if you go to mariehaines.com slash trust, you'll find this article that lists a whole bunch of things in the quality raters guidelines that Google potentially could be seeing as a sign of uh, uh, either good trust or lack of trust. Um, some of the things that we noticed in sites that saw improvements is uh, some of our clients who saw fantastic improvements have really been working on keeping YMYL content up to date. Uh, and so if a new study comes out that maybe supports some of the things you're talking about in a medical article or perhaps refutes it, then uh, our clients are adding that to their content. They're adding last updated dates and they're actually updating the content. They're not just saying, hey, we updated this this month uh, when really nothing was added to it. Um, and Google... I'm sure Google is pretty good at determining whether you've actually updated content or whether you're just trying to pretend like you've updated it. Um, some of our clients that saw improvements worked really hard on adding very good citations and references to their scientific content. Uh, and those are things that um, we're not sure whether Google tweaked those dials or whether our clients uh, finally made the cut in terms of saying uh, Google saying that they're trustworthy articles. Um, we also think it's possible that uh, Google has started classifying more pet health content as YMYL. Uh, we saw a number of um, sites, I, there was some discussion on Mercola.com uh, seeing drops. Now that's not new news, but the pet uh, subdomain of Mercola saw drops with this update. I haven't looked heavily into this area yet, uh, but I have heard other people talking about pet health articles now being considered YMYL. So if you saw drops and you've been writing about pet health, uh, then you need to pay attention to everything we've talked about in terms of EAT, making sure that your authors are qualified to write this content, um, and that the content is accurate, kept up to date, and uh, not going to be misleading people. Something I haven't looked into is whether scientific consensus plays a role in these pet health sites that are seeing drops. Um, I think it's possible that if you're talking on alternative treatments, so for example, if you're talking about using CBD oil in dogs, that's something that, um, as far as I know, it's been a while since uh, I've I practiced again, but um, as far as I know, that's not mainstream medicine for veterinarians. And so if you're writing about that, if you're not known as a trustworthy authority in pet health, then I would be careful about writing about alternative health subjects like this. Um, again, we haven't gone into great detail in studying this, so that's a little bit of theory at this point. And then Gary Ish tweeted something kind of cryptic, uh, talking about how SEOs react when they see that spam has been removed from the search results. Now, uh, when we saw this, and he tweeted this a couple of days after the core update, I believe, maybe a week or so after, um, 
you know, I started thinking, well, maybe has Google just removed a bunch of spam? And uh, But the thing is, a lot of sites that were negatively affected are not spam sites. They're, spam, or they're sites that um, potentially have some issues that could cause people to distrust them, but they're not spam. They have good content on them. Um, I do see, though, a lot of chatter in black hat circles. And something that's really interesting is that... Um, Yes, we've had people reach out to us saying that they were negatively affected by this update, but not as many as usual. And that can sometimes mean that Google has removed spam. If we're seeing more improvements than uh, drops, how is that possible? Because for sites to improve, somebody's got to drop out. Um, if the sites that dropped out were primarily spam sites, those tend to be usually not sites that would reach out to us saying, we'd like a site review, we'd like to figure out, uh, you know, how can we improve our quality? Because they already knew that they were spammy um, and just ranking because they figured out Google and figured out, uh, you know, how to manipulate links or uh, stuff like that. And so, Hopefully that makes sense, but I think that um, removing spam was potentially a part of this core update. Uh, they certainly haven't removed all spam, uh, but some search results have gotten better with spam results being removed. So those are the things that we think Google was working on for this update. And to complicate all of this, um, Monday, so that would have been January 27th, we had a number of sites that uh, you know had seen some changes with the January 14th, 13th, 14th core update and saw further changes on January 27th. I think Google probably tweaked some dials at that time. But as I'm recording this, it's Wednesday. We really only have a day and a half of data to look at. Uh, and so I'm not comfortable making any judgments right now on whether something was tweaked on the 27th. So if you're seeing changes on the 27th, I think there's a good chance that it's connected to the core update. Um, it's not uncommon for us to see Google making tweaks uh, whenever they do a core update. So I, I'm going to leave it at that. That's a lot of discussion on this core update. Uh, I don't claim to have all the answers on this. Usually when there's a core update, I have a, a stronger feeling of like, oh, Google was working on this. Um, and all we can say at this time is it seems that Google has found different ways to measure quality in terms of uh, trust and also the... Um, the quality of the content itself. And then if that wasn't enough, uh, Google made some changes to featured snippets. Have you heard about this? It's been all the talk for the last uh, little while. Um, so Google, uh, Danny Sullivan under the search liaison account made some announcements this week about changes in featured snippets. Here's the basics of what you need to know. Um, First of all, in the past, if you had a featured snippet, let's even go back a little bit. I, I know most of you know what featured snippets are, uh, but there still are some of you listening to this that maybe are a little bit confused. If I do a search for something and the first result that's in a box that's not sponsored, it's not an ad, not a carousel, um, but it's basically an organic result uh, that's in a box, that's usually the featured snippet. Featured snippets can often be confused with answer boxes. If I do a search for how many uh, 
kilometers are six miles, you know, something like that. Um, the result that I get is not a featured snippet. It's just an answer box that Google gives me. And then other people get confused about uh, the difference between featured snippets and knowledge panels. So if you did a search for Marie Haynes Consulting, you'll see on the right sidebar, I'm talking about on desktop search, uh, there's a box that is a Google box and it has information about our company and our address. And, um, you know, if we've put out any Google posts, it has that type of thing. That is um, a knowledge panel, not a featured snippet. So going back to featured snippets, prior to this change, what would happen is, uh, let's say we held the number one organic ranking for a particular keyword. When somebody did a search for that keyword, they would, and let's say we also had the featured snippet, they would see the featured snippet with our answer in it. And then below that, they would see our site listed as the first organic result. And so most of the time, if you had a featured snippet, you would also have a listing in the top 10 um, in the first page, basically. And uh, what Google did was make a change so that you no longer have that duplication. So if you own the featured snippet, you do not get an organic listing for that page on the first page. And what people were noticing, I saw Dr. Pete from Moz tweeting about this, is that, um, you know, that site that had previously the featured snippet and then also the first organic result, uh, they had that first organic result pushed to the second page. Um, the, and it was usually the top result on the second page. So this caused a bunch of stir because, uh, of course, if you used to own the featured snippet and the first organic result, you're going to get more traffic than if you just own the featured snippet now. Uh, and so people are saying, well, do we even want the featured snippet? And this is interesting, right? Because our users uh, may be trained to click past the featured snippet um, or scroll past the featured snippet and click on what we used to call the first organic result. Um, I'll talk in a second about some uh, some questions that I asked of my Facebook friends that are not into SEO and it's, it's really, really interesting. So let's go through what Google has told us so far. Um, first of all, if you, uh, let's see here, and we've got all of this in our newsletter again, episode number 117 uh, with links to all of these tweets if you need to um, you know talk to clients about what's happening and have some official uh, thing to reference um, so Danny Sullivan said uh, let's see here Okay, if you own the featured snippet, the duplicate will be removed. That doesn't reduce your chances of having a featured snippet. Um, and so, yeah, so somebody was asking about that. Um, he also said, if a web page listing is elevated into the featured snippet position, we no longer repeat the listing in the search results. This declutters the results and helps users locate relevant information more easily. Featured snippets count as one of the 10 web page listings we show. So something that uh, we have noticed is that it's not like there's a featured snippet plus 10 organic results. Now what you're seeing is the featured snippet plus nine organic results. Um, and so uh, basically all they've done is just removed your listing from those, what we used to call the organic results. It's super confusing because now Google wants us to call the featured snippet the first organic result. And uh, I jokingly said that a lot of tool programmers were probably pretty busy last week uh, trying to update how they figure out um, how to report rankings. Because we used to say that the featured snippets were position zero, and now they're position one. 
Um, this change happened starting, uh, uh, actually it just happened globally on January 22nd. We've made a note of this on our list of algorithm updates. If you go to mariehaines.com slash algo, A-L-G-O, you'll get redirected to our algorithm update post. And whenever Google does a significant change that could impact your traffic, we've made note of that. Um, that might be reflected later on today. I think we're currently in the process of making those changes. The change does not affect video video featured snippets. So if you have a page uh, that's featured in a video carousel or is a, a video featured snippet, that page can still rank organically. Um, it won't be deduplicated like regular featured snippets are. Um, another question, uh, Alan Blaylice asked if Site X has featured snippets, organic for that page uh, disappears. Okay, right. What if they lose the featured snippet? Will they instantly regain the previous high organic position for that page or phrase combo? Um, and so the answer to that is uh, Danny said he would expect that um, uh, you would go back to where you were ranking organically for this. I actually saw this with, uh, I did a search on desktop for EAT SEO. Uh, and that's something where occasionally from time to time, and when I see it now, uh, we have the number one organic listing for that. But Semra, had the featured snippet. Um, and then when Google uh, deduplicated things, uh, SEMrush had the number five, they would have had the number five organic spot. And it's unusual for a featured slip snippet to be pulled from the number five organic spot. We actually should work on winning the featured snippet for that. I feel like I'm getting so confused with this because, so th in that example, SEMrush actually had what we call a right sidebar featured snippet. Um, you're used to seeing the featured snippets right front and center, uh, and you know you see that as the number one result. What happened initially when Google made this change was they lost their organic ranking that was number five organic, so that result got removed, and now they have this featured snippet in the right sidebar on desktop search. And so when that happened, we noticed that uh, our traffic holding the number one organic spot skyrocketed um, because I think, you know, it, there used to be a featured snippet in the, in the middle and now that was removed and people don't know to look at the right sidebar for a featured snippet. So as of this morning when I was recording this, so Wednesday, January 29th, Google said that they made changes again so that they're not going to remove the duplicate if you have a right sidebar featured snippet. And over time, and I think they said within the next month, that right sidebar featured snippet is going to be merged into the main content, and then they'll start deduplicating again. Confused yet? I think I understand it, uh, but gosh, there's a, there's, it's, it's very complicated. Um, another thing to know, this was a tweet from Lily Ray, that uh, if you have two pages that rank on page one for a query, one can appear for the featured snippet, while the other can appear in the other nine blue links. Um, and so uh, we saw, I know a few people tweeted at me saying, no, no, this site has the featured snippet and also has an organic listing. And it's because uh, it was a different page that was featured in the uh, 10 or the nine blue links now. Um, so this was interesting. I We had this discussion on whether the average searcher understands that the featured snippet is an organic result. And, uh, you know, some people were saying, well, yeah, you know, people people know that it, it's not labeled as sponsored. It's, it's not an ad. Um, and so I went to Facebook and I asked this question. I said, question for my non-SEO friends. When doing a Google search, do you often click on the first result 
in a box shown below with a, a yellow arrow? Or do you tend to skip down to the results that I've shown with the red arrow? So the yellow arrow was pointing at the featured snippet and the red arrow was pointing at the first organic results. And um, I asked this of my non-SEO friends and the n most of the replies it kind of indicated to me that most people think that this featured snippet was an ad. Um, you can see the actual uh, featured snippet in Twitter, uh, on my Twitter, and also in our newsletter. Um, it was a silly question I asked, are dogs better than cats? Are cats better than dogs? Something like that. Um, and uh, it's funny, nobody commented on the answer, whether dogs are better than cats. I don't know. What do you think? Um, and But here's some of the comments that I got. I usually avoid the sponsored stuff. And I want two or three sources, so I scroll. Somebody else says, I almost always skip down. And keep in mind, I didn't say these were ads. I just showed a screenshot with a regular featured snippet. I did not call them ads. Uh, somebody said, I figure that any shoddy company can pay for the top spot. I'll scroll past the one that has a legitimate higher position. Somebody else, I never click on the first result or the ad. Now, I don't know if she's seeing, you know, but, but in this case, she said she would scroll down. Another person, I scroll down to the red arrow ads. I think I had one non-SEO um, friend who commented something about a featured snippet. Uh, this person is probably, you know, digital savvy. Um, and everybody else thought that though I was asking them, do they skip past the ads? This is significant because um, if you have the featured snippet, I think users are trained now to skip past all the Google stuff, skip past all of the, uh, you know, unless you're specifically looking for a local result from the maps, perhaps, but people were trained to skip past all this Google stuff. So here's what I think is happening. I think Google is trying to train people. I think right now, if you owned the featured snippet and you owned the number one, two, or three organic result in the past, and now you've lost that organic result, you're going to see a drop in traffic. Um, but I think that over time, people will start recognizing that, oh, wait, that first result that's in a box is usually the best answer to my query. Now, in some cases, we've had this argument about featured snippets. In some cases, people are going to say, well, I got my answer from the, what was in the box, and so I don't need to click through. You know, that's not going to change. Um, but I think that over time, people will start to recognize that that's actually a really good result, and they'll start to click on those. Now, if you put your tinfoil hat on, which, you know, I'm usually very pro Google. I'm not anti Google on this, but I, I think that what Google is doing is trying to train the average searcher to start looking at the Google stuff again. Uh, and they may find that after this happens and people start clicking on featured snippets, that more people are clicking on ads as well. Uh, it'd be interesting to see. And so, you know, Google's going to be making some changes on this over the next few weeks. Uh, we've got some really interesting stuff in newsletter too from uh, Claire Car Carlisle, who's talking about, uh, you know, if you win the featured snippet, do you lose your FAQ content? And I feel like I could go on uh, on this for quite a bit longer. Um, if you are interested in hearing more about this or learning more about this, then check out our newsletter and we've written out pretty much everything you need to know about this change. Uh, and I'll be active on Twitter as well uh, as new concerns come up um, talking uh, about what we, we need to do about this. One of the discussions... <clears throat> 
and I don't have the answer for this, is uh, whether or not we should be trying to remove uh, our featured snippets. Now, how do you do that? Um, you can use a no snippet tag to ask Google or to tell Google, look, I don't want you taking any content from this page and making it into a snippet. Now, the problem is if you use no snippet, you also remove your regular stuff. Um, so you, your, you know, your organic listing will not have a snippet below it either. So obviously that's not something that people want. Google has documentation that says you can experiment if you don't want the featured snippet. You can experiment with using something called Max Snippet. This was introduced this year, I believe. And uh, Max Snippet says how many characters Google's allowed to use for a snippet. Now, if Google wants to take your content and use it for a featured snippet, then there has to be a certain number of words. I don't remember what the exact number of words is, but you can experiment and say, you know, I only want Google to use uh, 50 words max for a featured snippet. I'm making that number up. You'll have to play around with this. When you implement that, then the next time Google, Google crawls your page, then they'll say, oh, we're only allowed to use 50 words, but for a featured snippet, we want more than that. And so they'll drop you out of the featured snippet slot and uh, you should regain your organic listing below. The problem though is now that your the, the words that are chosen as your regular snippet are going to be limited to 50 words. So, you know, there's, I feel like Google needs to have something to allow us to just opt out of a featured snippet, but I, I don't think that's going to happen. So um, I think I've said the word snippet far too many times and uh, we're going to move on from these, but it's really, really interesting discussion. A little bit of news about reconsideration requests. We've mentioned in the past few podcasts that we have a number of clients that we filed for reconsideration and it's taking ages to get a response back. We had a few responses back um, just this week. Some of them passed, some of them didn't. We're, uh, we're working on those that didn't. Uh, but one of them uh, was one that we filed 11 weeks ago. I used to say that it can take up to six weeks to hear back from Google. And six weeks is a long time when you're trying to get a manual action removed. Uh, 11 weeks is ages. So my advice to you would be that if you are filing for reconsideration, do all you can, uh, you know, so that you're not trying to chip away at um, this manual action. You know, if you're trying to hide certain links or go, well, we don't know if Google really wants us to remove these, it could take you a very, very long time to get a manual action removed if it's an 11-week turnaround. That's almost three months. That's, uh, that's, that's too much, in my opinion. Hopefully, Google will be uh, working on through getting through this backlog. I think they handed out way more manual actions. They did a whole bunch uh, in the last six months or so. And uh, I don't know if that will continue or not. Um, there's news too that uh, there's the removals report is back in Search Console. So uh, old Search Console used to have the URL removal report and now we see one in new Search Console. Um, and so uh, there's something interesting though I noticed in their um, announcement about this tool is that it says it, there's a section that will allow anyone to update content that's been removed on a site. Uh, so basically um, you can ask for removal for URLs that are not yours. Uh, and so um, I don't know if this is going to be abused. I think Google probably has something in play that says uh, if a user has marked this URL as being removed, 
Google's probably got to verify that with, um, you know, the fact that it's hidden by robots or that it's no indexed. They, they're going to verify that it actually does not exist anymore. Uh, I don't think it's possible that we can go to all of our competitors and request removals of all of their pages um, and then suddenly be outranking them. Uh, you know, hopefully none of you are, are going to stoop to that kind of level to try that. Um, and there's also a new section for safe search. Uh, users will be allowed to mark pages as potentially not suitable for work. Um, and uh, if Google agrees that they're inappropriate, they can remove them from search. Um, I don't know, again, whether this is something that will be done manually or algorithmically, uh, whether a user flags it and then uh, Google has to go in and manually decide whether to remove that. Uh, I think that would be kind of crazy to do that on a, a manual scale. So, um, so yeah, so it'll be interesting to see if there's any abuse uh, now that uh, we have these options. Hopefully not. Um, just to add more confusion to the changes that we're seeing in uh, the Google SERPs is uh, Google's made more changes to favicons. So favicons are those little tiny logos that can appear. Uh, sometimes now they're appearing in search results. Sometimes they're not. Um, and so Google has told us that they're going to be making changes. Uh, this was January 24th. Google said, our experimenting begins today. Over the coming weeks, while we test, some might not see favicons, while some might see them in different placements as we look to bring a modern look to desktop. Um, and so uh, if you're seeing weird things with whether or not your favicon is displaying in search, then uh, be known, uh, be, be aware that Google is actually doing testing on this. Um, and so what you see today might be completely different from what you would see tomorrow. Somebody asked John Mueller if missing, if your favicon was missing, if that means that you affected by a core update. I understand why they ask that because you can lose rich snippets if you're affected by a core update. If Google sees that uh, for whatever reason they've called your site lower quality, then you might find that you lose rich snippets such as review stars in the search results. Um, but this is not the case for a favicon. So if your favicon goes missing, Number one, it could just be that Google's doing some testing, like I just said. Uh, number two, it could be a technical issue on your side, but it doesn't mean that Google has deemed your site as low quality. Um, and speaking of which, uh, uh, we had uh, something from Brody Clark that um, he was saying, don't play around with uh, pr pretending to make your favicon an ad. Uh, I've seen people do this. This can actually um, cause Google to put their own favicon. Uh, if they think that you're just messing around with your favicons too much, you have the default one, and that doesn't look very good in search. So we don't recommend doing that. Um, interesting tip from newsletter. We've got loads of tips in newsletter that I won't have time to cover in podcast. But one thing uh, was somebody was talking about removing Google Maps from their page. And um, it was John McAlpin said that he saw an average of 41% mobile load speed improvements just by play replacing Google, the Google Maps API with static images uh, on their about pages or their location pages. Uh, so, um, you know, for most sites, like if your contact page has a map on it that loads from Google Maps and it loads a little bit slowly, that's probably not going to impact your uh, Google's assessment of quality for your website. But if you have Google Maps on a whole bunch of pages of your website, removing those can make them go faster and uh, it may potentially help uh, improve your performance in search. 
a little bit of a note from uh, about JavaScript redirects. So most of you know that you can do redirects. Uh, if you're doing a 301 redirect, you can do that with JavaScript. And Google has said that that's okay, but it can take a day or two for Google to process the JavaScript. That's actually faster than it used to be. Uh, so if you have implemented a JavaScript redirect and it does not immediately uh, take effect in Google's eyes, give it a day or two and they'll probably catch up with you. There was an interesting discussion on Twitter about uh, whether Google looks at links in PDFs. And the there was some discussion as to whether the links in PDFs are treated as followed links or not. The understanding that I get from this discussion is that links in PDFs are generally considered no followed, but Google has the option to count them if they want to. And this is probably very similar to other no followed links now. If you remember in the summer, I believe we talked about changes that Google made to uh, Rel equals sponsored and Rel equals UGC. And Google made it so that um, if they want to, they can count the page rank through a no-followed link. So, uh, you know, in all my years of looking at unnatural links and, and doing link audits, I don't think I can recall somebody um, who I felt was penalized either algorithmically or, or manually because they were abusing links in PDFs. It's not something that I see a lot of spammers do. I think this is more interesting than uh, actionable, but I thought you'd be interested in, in hearing, uh, hearing about that. Um, let's talk about Forbes. Really interesting article on Search Engine Roundtable today uh, about whether or not Forbes was penalized by Google. Now, there's tons of speculation in this, but I'm including it just because I think it's interesting and I think it lines up with something that uh, I just talked about. So there was a writer, uh, somebody who writes for Forbes, and he asked for his name to be removed um, from the article, who reached out to Barry Schwartz and said all of his Forbes articles are seeing massive reductions in traffic uh, as of, I think it was yesterday, January, or two days ago, Jan the late January 27th. Uh, it was 11 p.m. his time, uh, January 27th. And um, apparently many other writers for Forbes are um, noticing this massive drop. Now, when I looked at Forbes traffic on Ahrefs and also on SEMrush, I'm not seeing anything there. Uh, and it might be that they just need a day or two to catch up, but I'm not seeing a drop in uh, in pages ranking from Forbes. So what's happening here? Um, I thought it was really interesting that, first of all, that this writer was um, paying such close attention to how much traffic his Forbes articles are getting. I mean, if I wrote for a major publication, I think it would be cool to see like, oh, you know, this article that I wrote got more attention than this one. Um, but this guy's checking, like, he can tell by the hour when his traffic dropped. So why is he so interested? So I, I started looking at his posts. Uh, we managed to find uh, the Google cache still had uh, Barry's uh, article there with um, uh, with his uh, with his name in it. And so I'm not going to say who it was because very clearly they wanted to be removed. But um, we looked at his articles. Very well written. They're all tech articles on Forbes. But something that I noticed in every single article is that there's an undisclosed, uh, there's many undisclosed affiliate links. And and so when you read this article on Forbes, there's links to mostly Amazon, but also other very large sites uh, with affiliate programs. And the links are not Forbes affiliate links. They belong to this particular author. So that's why uh, I think he was paying so much attention to whether his articles are actually getting traffic, because he publishes an article on Forbes uh, that contains affiliate links, and then he makes money from that. Um, I'm not saying that's wrong. 
I think that's fine. But remember earlier in the podcast, I had a theory that Google wanted to demote pages that did not clearly explain to users that uh, they were clicking on an affiliate link. So um, I think this is possible that this is what happened here. The only thing is it doesn't line up. Uh, the core update was January 13th or 14th is when most sites saw the effect of it. And this happened starting January 27th. And I've just realized that we said that we thought January 27th was a tweak to the core update. Um, and so this is possible that algorithmically, Google has determined that uh, these posts have loads of affiliate links that are not clearly disclosed. I, you know, I'm not saying this 100% for sure, but I think it's, it's highly possible. So those of you who are um, heavily involved in writing content with affiliate links, you need to really pay close attention to what the quality raters guidelines say. Again, I'm going to outline this in my article, which we should have out very soon. Um, somebody asked whether uh, on, on Reddit, whether do follow profile signups are worth it. I don't even know if I need to include this in newsletter because I think most of you know, uh, it used to be old school SEO. We'd find, you know, oh, update your Moz bio and uh, because you're going to get a, a followed link from your Moz bio. And then Moz made changes years ago so that only the top contributors to their site uh, got a followed link from their profile. Um, and when I'm doing link audits, it used to be that we would see, I could tell you pretty much every site where you could get a followed link from a profile. Um, you know, if you sign up for a forum and it says, here's my website, you could get these followed links. So somebody asked about this on Reddit and uh, I love it when John Mueller pops into uh, big SEO on Reddit. Uh, his answer was, no, <laughs> they're not worth it. So um, don't be trying to build links like that. That's exactly the type of link. I mean, it's, it's not like you're going to be penalized if you have some of these, uh, but if you have hundreds of them, it's possible that this could be seen as a sign of uh, low trust by Google. Um, so let's see, we've got, you know what, I'm not going to cover all of the Q&A. Uh, those of you who have asked some questions, and you can ask a question through um, mariehaines.com slash newsletter. Each episode has a link to a form where you can ask me a question and I'll, I'll do my best to answer it on podcast. Um, some of you, uh, David and Alice, who have asked questions, I'm going to get to your questions next week because we've, uh, I've blabbed on a little bit too much in this episode. Roxanne asked though as well, in your opinion, does it make a difference SEO wise, whether a blog is on a directory or subdomain? I know Google says it doesn't, but many others disagree. I'd like to get your opinion. So this is always the one of the endless questions that uh, John Mueller gets asked. Um, you know, should you have your blog on a subdomain? So that would mean blog.mariehaines.com or on a folder. So it would be mariehaines.com slash blog. And according to Google, whenever you're asked, it, 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 it's one or the same. You know, they're, they're both uh, equivalent. Most of the studies that I've seen have shown that it seems to be better to have the blog on your own site. Now, I'm going to tell you a little story about my website. Um, <laughs> my website, do not look at it for SEO advice right now. Uh, we're getting a new site. Um, we're working with Kickpoint, Dana DiTomaso's company, um, and she's building a really fantastic website for us. And it's going to be a lot better because the website that we have right now is one that I cobbled together as a WordPress theme many, many years ago. Um, and, uh, you know, there's a lot of things on there that I wish I could change and we just haven't had enough time uh, to do it. Um, but it's not a great example for SEO in a lot of areas. 
my website, um, you'll notice when you go to newsletter, it's on a subdomain. It's courses.mariehaines.com. Now, the reason why I created courses was I originally thought that the way I was going to proceed in my career in SEO was in providing, uh, teaching people about SEO through courses. And this was essentially supposed to be a subdomain for uh, people to buy stuff. It was kind of like a shop subdomain. Um, And I really never intended for information on that subdomain to be ranked ranking other than maybe the main page to say like, here's my course. Now, I didn't go down that route for a while. I had, um, it was a very good SEO course, but keeping it updated just didn't happen. And uh, one day we may uh, relaunch that. Um, And we've got other products that we're going to be launching there. But in our new website, uh, I'm not having it as a subdomain. So um, we're going to have our newsletter uh, as a directory not a subdomain on our site. My thought is that a subdomain is good if you have um, something you really want to separate from your main content. Uh, So uh, one example could be, let's say you have a private members forum um, that you don't want to have indexed. You could have forum.yoursite.com. Um, or, uh, you know, uh, potentially a news blog if you want to be, you know, republishing stuff that maybe isn't the highest quality. Um, but even then, I don't know that I'd want to do that. So my theory, uh, my thought is for blogs, I would like to see them as a subdirectory and not a subfolder, uh, or sorry, not a subdomain. Um, so, uh, so yes, yeah, so slash blog as opposed to blog.example.com. So hopefully that answers the question. I, you know, I think there are, there are many studies out there and like most of them seem to show that uh, having it on a directory is better than a blog. Uh, so I, that's what I would recommend. I think we'll end it there because uh, I'm actually losing my voice. We had so much to talk about this week. Um, so uh, as always, you can follow me on Twitter. I'm Marie underscore Haynes. I'm trying to be a bit more active on uh, on Twitter now. And, uh, you know, we've had a lot of fun lately uh, with some funny gifts and um, whatnot. I, Twitter is just so awesome. I don't know what I would do if it went away. Um, but, uh, but yeah, you can follow me on Twitter and sign up for the newsletter, mariehaines.com slash newsletter. If you want to reach out to my team to either hire us or, um, you know, get one of my uh, team to contribute to a roundup post or something like that, it's Marie Haines, or help at mariehaines.com. So thanks so much for listening. I'll, uh, we'll be out very soon with our article on the January core update, and I wish you the best of luck with your rankings. Mm-hmm.